Discussing the news that matters. Light Breakfast, Front Page. And today we have with us from Astro Awani, journalist and host of 501 Awani, Lokman Harris, to discuss the biggest and latest news pieces that affect us here in Malaysia. All right, let's get to the first one. First of all, Lokman, congratulations on Liverpool winning. Oh, thank you so much. You know, 30 years. Oh, I got so sweet. Yeah. How is it lifting the trophy to an empty stadium though? <laughs> we, are, we are not there physically, but we are there at heart. Come on, that's something that more than others Liverpool fans understand. Okay, fine. Okay, <laughs> let's get on to the business at hand. With the R not going up, there is a fear that Malaysia's infection numbers might return to MCO times if SOPs are not adhered to. So... Lokman, in your opinion, will the threat of jail time, because that's what you're saying, mm. or even a hefty fine be enough to convince Malaysians to make sure that they wear masks? Mm. You can do worse than jail time and, and, and uh, monetary fine. So I think it would work. Uh, but you have to follow through. Um, we've had some pretty good laws over the years introduced by you know different governments um, which people followed in the beginning under the threat of having to pay hefty fines or even doing jail time. For example, the no smoking law in restaurants. Remember that? Right, exactly. Right. So, so for the first two or three months, um, the momentum was there, uh, the enforcement was there, the publicity was there. So people were scared, and rightfully so, to, to breach the law. So at this point in time, this face mask law, I welcome very, very much. In fact, I, in fact, I think it's uh, really, really overdue. Yeah. Um, but it's got to stay there because experts are predicting that this virus will be among us at least maybe for the next six, seven, eight months, maybe a year or two, yeah. uh, unfortunately. So face masks have to be a constant accessory. The, the, the key is, yes, fines and jail time are good in the sense that they will make people obey this law, but you have to be consistent for the next one or two years in enforcing it and not have the aura or the, the, the fear of, of reprimand um, just fizzle out. Yeah, we've also noticed that COVID-19 positive cases rising again. So what is the likelihood of another lockdown? We're hoping that it won't happen, especially because after the previous lockdown, which had a negative impact on our economy, mm. how possible is it that we might have another lockdown? Right, I'm not a health expert, but I mean, um, back in March, right, the first uh, MCO, at that time, I think our daily cases were on the high double digits yeah. and more than 100. So that's when they decided to actually uh, impose the MCO. I do think that another lockdown has to be imposed if we hit maybe 40 or 50 cases a day. But again, I'm not a health expert, but based on what we've uh, gone through in the past, economically, it's going to be so devastating. Yeah. I mean, the Prime Minister has said before that for each day that we lock down, we lose $2 billion a single day. Yeah. So that's that's really, really bad. So it's, it's not just the health impact, but I'm really scared if the MCO has to come back, the economic impact of it is going to be long-lasting and ultimately can cause health problems for some people as well Correct, because yeah. it's a chain reaction. Yeah. Hmm? Maybe not MCO, but possibly CMCO. <laughs> possibly CMCO, yeah. but we'll, we will, because the Prime Minister has said that we are, we will not even hesitate to, to impose PKPD. PKPD is PKPD perketatkan. Ah, right. Okay. So this is the uh, stricter uh, MCO for places that have surge in cases. So even that is a possibility, but we hope it won't come true, especially because of the economic factors. Alright, next, uh, the mural depicting Malaysian heroes in this time of COVID was celebrated by everyone, or so we thought it was, uh, but it was defaced with graffiti recently. Now there's an investigation being launched to find the perpetrators. I think there was a CCTV footage that actually showed the, the perpetrators. Yeah, doing it, right? unclear footage, but e there is. Exactly. So how important is this investigation? It is, uh, needless to say, it's important. 
particularly for me because it sets a precedent. We shouldn't let someone get away with something as heinous as that. This crime is just purely a bad intention. Yeah. It remains to be seen what the motives are, but the perpetrators didn't have to do this, but they did anyway. So it is important for the government to get to the bottom of this to set a precedent to say to everyone, hey, this this is not okay. Because in your opinion, how yeah. important is the motive for why they did it? Or it might be just purely a case of someone with too much spray paint and too much time on their hands. Could it be? Uh, possibly, because because we are at a very early stage of the investigation. I mean, the motive, I think for this crime, I'm not, I'm not a legal expert, I'm not a lawyer, but to me, in my own opinion, it's almost irrelevant because like I said if a, the crime is like say stealing bread then it's important to understand the motive because if the thief has to feed his family then it's another thing okay um, if it's, he's just doing it for fun for the thrill of it then that's another thing but how could what could possibly justify you vandalizing a mural of the king of the DG or the people who have worked so hard and are still working so hard to, to get us out of this so um of course, with the current climate that we have now, not just in Malaysia, but also around the world, everything tends to be politicized. There may be some political motives behind it. We don't know yet. I hope not. Because if there are political motives, we ought to express it in a more mature way. We've got other platforms. I mean, we're setting ourselves back 30, 40 years. If yeah. you don't agree with these people, you spray paint their faces on the wall. What's yeah. that about? Come on. It's pretty much like back in school. Say, yeah, exactly. I, I don't friend you. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing, you know? uh. But... Also, what if it's just a bunch of kids? It's graffiti. What will happen to these kids? Look, the graffiti in, K- in KL actually improves the scenery. I mean, yeah. those are planned graffitis. They're beautiful, you know, uh, works of art. I pass by at least five going to the yeah, Awani yeah. office uh, near Pudu every single day. This is just vandalizing. But if it's just kids, I mean, legally, they will be put through the legal process for uh, minors. Right. Um, but it is very disappointing. And, and the government should, regardless of whether it was kids or, uh, you know, adults, they should take this matter seriously. They should show the people that this matter is being taken seriously through legal and proper means because this is this is just not us, JD. This is just not us. Yeah. Right, next. Uh, a statement was issued recently that shocked many Malaysians. Apparently, all film producers, whether it's for TV, cinema, or even social media, must have a FINAS license, which costs 50,000 ringgit. And you must submit a request to shoot seven days prior to shooting. So I think this article shocked YouTubers and influencers throughout Malaysia. And initially it was mentioned that they must apply for a license with Finas just to put up anything online, anything on any social media platform. Now the directive has seemingly been rescinded or has it? That's the thing. It's unclear because I've been reading a lot of reports, local and international uh, news media reports, and they are equally as perplexed as us, JD, at least at this point, because at least what was announced by the minister recently is kind of a step back in the right direction because people are confused. Look, if I want to upload a TikTok video of my kid's fourth birthday party, do I need to pay 50,000 ringgit for a license? Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, It it seems as though when you look at um, uh, the the law for media industry as a whole historically this law is meant to be impl- implemented for bigger players or right. the, the mainstream media players because even before when you want to shoot uh, like a drama or any movie you have to have a permit but it was quite shocking for, for, for them to actually mention before that everyone even quote unquote I think personal use personal was the phrase yeah. used yeah. so people are like okay I want to upload a video of me playing futsal on Instagram so do I have to be a, a legit 
production company with a paid up capital of 50,000 ringgit and a sendirian berhad like a Lukman Haris sendirian berhad like yeah. production company <laughs> I, I wish I can give you a better answer but I think it's still unclear I don't want to Uh, speculate judging from what the minister said um i i hope the government will will improve this law a bit and just impose it maybe on the bigger media players and not all of us because it's just simply not doable yeah and also he did say that it's just that he wants to update the yeah. the particular law yep. to reflect what's happening now because not everybody's got a phone that has yep. a that can record videos right so I suppose he just wants to update it. Uh, because because the government has also said that they are not using this to stifle speech. Yes. Uh, which is, was the the concern. So so I think that's a good thing to say. I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, but if you know personal social media users still have to do this, I mean JD, you the content <laughs> that you put up online, you have to put in millions, man. Yeah. Fifty thousand bucks. <laughs> I don't even have fifty thousand baht right now. <laughs> Now, a famous Malaysian YouTuber was in the news recently in a domestic violence case, and I think everyone saw this. This news has been trending all over the internet, especially because of their quick rise to fame. But why are incidents like this highlighted more in the media? Just because they are, well, in a way, famous. Exactly. I mean, amongst the many frustrating things about this case, apart from the actual alleged conduct. Uh, itself, the the ugly truth is that is that because the people in this particular incident they are famous, mm. um, so it tends to get more media attention. I mean, we work in media, right? We know um, um, there are some stories that are newsworthy yeah. that would uh, be you know of interest to the public. That's on the one hand, but on the other hand is the unfortunate thing is that there are so many other people out there, so many other couples out there going through the same or a similar thing. There are so many women wives. Are uh, going through domestic abuse. I think there are tens of thousands. Uh, if I if I'm not wrong, if I look at the latest numbers yeah, in terms yeah. of domestic abuses, but they don't get as big a voice because they are not famous. To answer your question, to your point, is because they're famous. So that's the, that's the ugly truth, JD. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, <laughs> so should this be the norm then? Like anytime there's a domestic violence case, like during the MCO, I I remember reading somewhere where domestic violence cases are uh, the rates actually yep. went up, right? So If this happens, should we make this the norm, naming and shaming when it comes to domestic violence? Because if it's highlighted, will there be a better chance of lower rates of domestic violence? Well, number one is naming. I mean, when you report the news, you, you can't help but name. I mean, it's just part of what you have to do. You don't even purposely want to name or shame someone. But yeah. once details of the case have been confirmed and the media can report the name of the perpetrator, whether it's a guy or a woman, um, well, that's a naming part. The shaming part will come automatically. I, I mean, people in, uh, sometimes think the media does want to name and shame, but we don't. Because you have to name It's just part of the story How yeah. can you not name the person And the shame will come from the public perception Arising from the facts of the case Yeah. So I, I'm not a supporter of naming and shaming per se But that's unfortunately the unintended final product We just report the news And the public can decide for themselves In fact that goes for all issues Not just issues of domestic violence But political issues, economic issues uh, We don't actively try, try to name and shame Because I don't support name and shame I don't think it works Yeah, we, we try to write each story to make it a lesson for the public not to shame the accused because even the worst criminals can change to be better people that's true and finally Bar Council President Salim Barshio said that a speaker should not have written to the courts this was in reference to 
a high-profile court case being asked to conclude earlier to ensure that particular person made it to parliament. Now, mm. the question is, does the Speaker of Parliament have the right to write to the judge to make such a request? Well, it's a request. Everyone has a right to make a request. Um, and I think the Speaker has, has said that much. It was a request. It was not an instruction because she cannot instruct. Uh, it was not to pressure or anything uh, like that. Right. So I don't think there's any harm there. So as long as all parties and especially the Speaker ensure that the doctrine of the separation of powers are adhered to because the concern here is obviously the, you know, the three main branches of the government, the legislative, uh, the judiciary, which is the courts, the legislative, which is the Dewan Rakyat, the parliament, right. and of course the, the executive, which is the government. So some people are criticizing and are fearing whether this is actually the legislative, which is parliament, overreaching to the judiciary mm. to to get what it uh, what it wants but but again it's a request there was no pressure so it was entirely up to the court to make the decision so i don't think there's any concern here but which is more important though appearance at parliament or appearance in court where he is the defendant this is a big one this is a big question i think it's very subjective in my personal opinion uh, i mean of course both are important but if you have to choose one i mean parliament is the people's voice yeah. is how you represent the people best. Yeah. The voters vote for you, you you are given a seat to to represent them and, and try to solve all their issues. And as a people, I, I that's important to me. Yeah. Right. So 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 going on that logic, in my opinion, if you have to choose one, I do think parliament is more important than the court. Because on top of being the voice of the people, uh, the parliament is very packed. It always has a very busy schedule. So things can't always be postponed or moved on to another date. And once uh, the current sitting ends, you have to wait for a few months. So you have to grab that opportunity when it comes. Uh, court cases, for example, can be deferred to any almost any date. So because parliament is the voice of the people and, it's, and it is less flexible, means if you... Uh, attend the parliamentary session less it could mean the people or at least the people you represent will lose out versus the court being able to be more flexible so I think there's a win-win situation here if the court in its discretion gives some leeway for parliamentarians to actually do their duties because it's not a zero-sum game if they do that it's not like the court loses something it just moves the trial or whatever mention or hearing to another date so I guess everybody wins so the court case will still happen it's not like it's being of course it right? will still happen so it, as long as it's, it doesn't set a precedent where someone might be said possibly above the law because no one is above the that's law. That's the concern. I mean, there, there, are, there will always be concerns whether you are talking about issues pertaining to the government or the opposition. There will always be concerns and I think that's the beauty of democracy because people can voice out. The concern is that um, the pre- precedent that it sets, what if other parliamentarians use the Dewan Rakyat to ha- help them request to get trial Correct. deferments? It's a slippery slope. Uh, it is, but I, I, I don't think um, this will be the case because again, um, there was no pressure imposed on the judiciary and uh, the, the courts were free to decide. And uh, sometimes you just have to be practical, JD. Um, if you can come up with a solution that's going to be beneficial to the parliament, i.e. the rakyat, and also the court, i.e. justice, then why not? I mean, everybody wins.